The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me, uh, Buddy Ryan. Um, I think you all know by, by this time, of course, uh, you know, we lost another member of the fraternity. And uh, Buddy Ryan, who was a uh, uh, head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles when I was there, uh, he, he's defensive coordinator of uh, the Chicago Bears 1985 Super Bowl team. Uh, I think Buddy, as a head coach, coached uh, three teams to the playoffs, although he didn't win any of those playoff games. Uh, he was successful in doing that. And so as a matter of respect, I'm going to do what I always do when a member of the fraternity um, takes that journey to a much better place than it is here on earth. I'm going to have a moment of silence, and then we're going to get back to the show. God bless Buddy Ryan. Those uh, those famous words I remember speaking. Uh, I remember speaking those words in uh, Cincinnati in a Cleveland Browns locker room in the stadium of the Cincinnati Bengals in the season of 1986. And I meant that. I meant it with all my heart. Uh, I meant it with all my heart when I just said it just now. Um, Buddy Ryan and I had a very interesting relationship. But uh, like, like all things, shout out to Beyonce, uh, Lemonade, uh, what I may have thought and some people may have thought uh, was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me was to, uh, to meet Buddy Ryan, for Buddy Ryan to be my coach and for uh, me to play uh, under Buddy Ryan. Um, it just didn't work out. And just like lemon can be turned into lemonade, that's exactly what I did with my experience with Buddy Ryan. But I'm not here to bash Buddy at all. When I said God bless Buddy Ryan, I meant that, and I meant that because he had been a blessing to me. Uh, Buddy felt as if um, uh, I was not the right fit for his football team. And I think I kind of felt some of the same thing about him as, as a coach uh, because I didn't feel that he was the, the right type of coach that, that I really wanted to play under. Um, I had played for great, great, great coaches. Dick Vermeil, uh, Marion Campbell was an outstanding defensive coordinator his, himself, just like Buddy was. Um, Marion didn't get a chance to to coach as many years um, in terms of having the opportunity to take a team into the playoffs and win Super Bowls. He he didn't have a chance to do that. But the Philadelphia Eagles, um, the first Super Bowl they went to, of course, was under Marion Campbell's. Uh, as as the leadership of the defensive side of the ball. He was the defensive coordinator. And, and Swamp, as we call him, did an excellent job. Uh, and Swamp was a good man, you know. And um, Coach Vermeil, as I said, the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, came from Ohio State. Uh, of course, there, uh, one of the greatest college coaches to ever coach, Woody Hayes, my secondary coach, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, uh, all the way back to high school were uh, Bill Knox, who was the uh, brother of Chuck Knox, was my secondary coach. So I had been a person, and I had been a captain at every level, um, had a chance even in pros special teams a couple times. Uh, but I've always been one of those guys that coaching, hard coaching was nothing for me. That wasn't a problem. I went, like somebody said to me one time, Ray played for Woody Hayes, you know. I'm coachable. Uh, but it was Buddy had a unique style. It was different. 
And, you know, I, I spoke to someone this morning and I said to them, um, if Buddy were to hear my words and my words were any different than the words I'm about to speak and the ones I've already spoken, he'd have a lack of respect for me. Because one thing about Buddy Ryan is Buddy Ryan was his own man. And he did things the way Buddy wanted to do them. You know, it was, he did it his way. You know, I'm sure that on the, on the headstone it might say that too. Buddy Ryan, I did it my way. <laughs> you know, of course, that's originally from uh, the song and uh, the gentleman out of New York. Uh, uh, sorry, having a football moment, can't remember. But uh, that was Buddy. So I'm, I'm not going to change, you know, my perspective and my feelings on Buddy Ryan at all. Um, I'm, I'm going to, you know, keep it exactly the same way and, um, you know, and go from there. So, uh, yeah, so, so let me just share some things with you guys about my relationship with Buddy. Uh, so, first of all, the very first time um, that I met Buddy Ryan, it was in the locker room in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, of course, um, Buddy had been the coordinator of the Chicago Bears, and they had won the Super Bowl, and had an outstanding defense, and a team that I had a tremendous amount of respect for. One of the reasons why was because uh, a couple, well, the season prior to them winning that Super Bowl, that 85 Super Bowl, uh, probably when it comes to having a, a player's influence in my playing, probably nobody had other than Jack Tatum that I knew personally nobody impacted the way I played the game more than my dear friend who's in heaven. Him and Buddy probably, mm, they're having a conversation. Todd Bell. Uh, Todd and I were roommates when we first got to uh, Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. And um, he and I just, from the very beginning, it was very competitive between Todd and I. We didn't play the same positions, but it was competitive in the sense that Todd had been the number one recruit for Ohio State. Um, they, I'd asked them, where did I stand? They told me I was number two. I, I asked the question, they told me. Um, they t I asked them who was number one. They said Todd Bell. I had never met Todd before. When I met Todd and we were roommates together, Todd, was, first of all, his first impressions is, whoa, that's a big brother right there. And he's a defensive back? Well, Todd was actually a linebacker in high school, and they were moving him to strong safety. And the rest is history. Just outstanding. If it moved, it may move once. It may be unable to move a second time because Todd was going to take it out, whatever it was that was in his way. Big Bell, that's what we called him. Big Bell would just... And uh, probably... One of the nicest men you would ever meet. Solid, strong, Christian man. Oh, one of the nicest men you'd ever meet. And had a tremendous amount of respect for other people. Ty was one of those people who, you know, he was a very strong Christian man. Uh, I think uh, his dad, as a matter of fact, was a preacher, Reverend Bell. And he, um, Ty did not try to force his religion on anybody. He would share it, but he never forced it on you. He didn't make you feel uncomfortable. I know many times as a man of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, on my way to a party, I might see Big Bell, and I laugh with him, tease with him, ask him, you know, hey, come on, Big Bell. No, man, go on, Sugar. He called me Sugar Ray back then. Go ahead. No, Sugar, go ahead. But Todd Bell was the strong safety for the Chicago Bears, and it's been said, it's been written, it's been documented. Mike Singletary, Richard Dent, a couple of the other fellows will tell you, Certainly his friend up in heaven with him, sweetness. Todd Bell stamped that defense. Todd Bell was the one that laid the wood in that defense. But Todd Bell was also the one that couldn't get a contract, so he didn't get a chance to celebrate that Super Bowl with Buddy Ryan and the fellas. That is what, when I think back about Todd's career, I know that had to bother Todd. It bothered me. But Buddy Ryan... And Todd Bell had a, as a coach and a player, had a great relationship in Chicago because Todd was laying the wood. And Buddy loved that. 
Ty was the intimidator. Ty was intimidating people. You know, you just heard Ty Bell, you playing the Chicago Bears, oh, you're just going to get scared. I know it. Uh, you had to. If you, if you fear for your life, you should have <laughs> because Ty would just take you out. And so that was, you know, I knew when I met Buddy, I knew that, you know, Ty didn't get to be a part of that Super Bowl. They just won. And and it, and it, and it kind of bothered me, you know, in the back of my heart. Wow, they won the Super Bowl and Todd didn't play and he wasn't on the team. He set out contract dispute. And now this man who, you know, in my mind, wow, you know, couldn't you do something to get Todd in there? I get a chance to meet this man and I'll never forget the first meeting that I had with Buddy Ryan. Very, very different kind of person. I had, uh, as a matter of fact, I had talked to a couple of guys in the locker room because I, at that time, I was more of a, uh, I, well, in the off season, I was concerned about what am I going to do when football is over. So I spent a lot of time networking. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, searching opportunities for what I could possibly do to continue to provide for my family after the season was over with. And um, at that time, I was in the printing business. And so much of the day, I, in the offseason, because, you know, the offseason in the National Football League years ago, the offseason was just that, the offseason. So guys, many of them went back to different places throughout the country and didn't return back to Philadelphia. And we were having training camp in Westchester, they didn't come back until it was time to go to training camp. Those who lived there, uh, we worked out. When you were younger, when Coach Vermeer was there, it was a little different. It was like it was voluntary mandatory when Coach Vermeer was there. But Coach Vermeer now has been gone. Marion Campbell had been there for a couple of years. And, and again, Coach Campbell wanted us to stay there and work out as well. But Coach Campbell was a former player himself. So he understood there were some guys who had a home in which they wanted to return to their home in the offseason, and he was okay with that, provided those guys came back in shape, and most of them did. And so this is, you know, something kind of different now because you got a new guy coming in. And I believe one of the remarks Buddy made, perhaps maybe when he got here, in Arizona, of course, you guys know I am, like I said, in Arizona, living like it matters. Uh, I think he, when he arrived here, I think one of those first things that he said was there was a new sheriff in town. Now, in Philadelphia, we were supposed to be playing buddy ball. So when Buddy came in, Buddy was interested in perhaps maybe evaluating his talent. Buddy sure didn't make phone calls. I didn't get one. <laughs> He didn't call me and ask me, hey, um, Ray, by the way, um, I'm the new head coach. We, we didn't know that. I, I, I'm like everybody else. I didn't know how we were going to be introduced to our new head coach. He had been hired. I was in the locker room different times. Um, I'd come in maybe working in the offseason, working out in the offseason late in the afternoon. Didn't necessarily come in the morning because I was doing my offseason job. And uh, most of the time had lunch with people. So I would get there after lunch period um, the afternoon. So I'm probably coming into the locker room probably 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and getting my two-hour, two-and-a-half workout in every day. Now, I didn't tell you guys, but, you know, my first year, I think it was my rookie year there in the offseason, I, I received an offseason award for – for my working, my working ethic, the work ethic that I had, the working out, um, I got an off-season award. As a matter of fact, uh, after my second year, um, I'm sorry, it was after my second year, not my first, after my second year, I got the award. And so much so that I was getting married and couldn't be there to accept the award. Uh, Coach Vermeil gave it to us. Gave me mine and gave somebody else one as well. But So I've always worked out. And it, because it's the offseason, there wasn't a certain time you had to work out. I remember coming in the locker room one time, and, of course, Buddy now is the head coach. And um, Buddy approaches one of our players and uh, says to him, um, 
where you been or whatever. You know, guy had a suit on and everything and said, well, you know, I've been to lunch with, with my boss. Now, this is the off-season. person obviously has a job uh, in the off-season. He, too, is trying to get himself ready for a ball when it's over with. And uh, Buddy says to him, your boss, I'm your boss. Ooh. Ooh. That didn't, that didn't go over real well in the locker room. Because I will say one thing about Philadelphia. There, there's a lot of pretty progressive athletes that, that come through the city of Philadelphia. For some reason or another, football didn't, on basketball and baseball, you know, guys had other aspirations. That, that was a part of who they were, but it didn't define who they really were. It, you know, their life would be incomplete if you didn't talk about that, but that wasn't really who they really were. They were much more than just athletes. And so for this gentleman, very intelligent gentleman, Ivy League guy, you know, to hear that, I'm sure that didn't sit too well with him. But it's almost one of those things where I thought maybe he was really talking to him but wanted to make sure that I got the message as well. And I, I, I got the message, but I also understood, too, that this game is not guaranteed. I got to be able to do something when this game is over with. So I'm, I'm going to concentrate on, on my business, and, and I did. And I could just tell that for those guys that were doing anything other than preparing to play the season next year, he wasn't too happy with. Don't, it was never said, but I could just tell that. It was in the air. You could feel it, a little tension. So finally I get a chance to meet Buddy Ryan. I'm in the locker room one day, and, of course, Buddy – approaches me and, and I approach him and reach out my hand to you know, shake his hand and, and, and he shakes my hand. But he says something to me and it just really caught me, I mean, totally off guard. Uh, here is the man who's been to a Super Bowl, just won a Super Bowl championship, first time, you know, him being a head coach. I'm thinking that he's the kind of guy that you know, he's going to come in. Uh, he certainly is going to seek out those guys on this team that he, that he knows has, has been contributors, uh, been productive, uh, have a work ethic that you don't have to question, uh, demonstrated leadership, uh, ball players too. And I thought that I fit that category. I, I know that I had been there, paid my dues, worked my ass off, uh, already uh, been doctrined by Dick Vermeil. I've already, believe me, I've already gone through it. You know, uh, I, I got I, I got my my pledging, if you will. Uh, so I, I came through a system where there was a veteran team. You know, and rookies were to be you know seen and not heard. You know, rookies were maybe you're part of the team. You know, uh, certainly special teamers uh, who are were veteran players. And that was one thing about the Philadelphia Eagles when I arrived there. They took their special teams very seriously, very seriously, recognized them, um, rewarded them. Uh, they had a, made a great contribution to that team. And so we took a lot of pride in that. And I came up through that, uh, you know, through the special teams. I, my first year I did not start. My second year I, just, I started in my third year. And so I, I earned it the hard way. And, of course, here comes this man, Buddy Ryan, and what I thought, what I thought, he didn't care. <laughs> buddy was Buddy was Buddy, and Buddy wanted to run his show his own way. Probably didn't didn't help me much that I had received the follow the year prior, um, the '85 season when Todd Bell set out. Um, I was aware of the fact that. There was strong competition out there at the strong safety position. Myself, Todd Bell, Kenny Easley, Dennis Smith, uh, just to name a few of the guys that played this position of, of strong safety that was starting to gain some recognition uh, for the position, and uh, but also the individuals too. And I played at that time for the Philadelphia Eagles with a, with a free safety uh, who in my mind, if he doesn't get hurt, and they don't move him from free safety, and they keep him at free safety, is probably one of the top three to ever play the game. Um, and that, of course, is Wes Hopkins, you know. 
Uh, I, I just I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for Wes Hopkins. Uh, Wes Hopkins, in my mind, you know, you got Ronnie Lott, you got um, Kenny Easley, you got Jack Tatum, um, you got Todd Bell, you got Wes Hopkins. You know, the, the, these are men that, again, they, they put the fear of God in you from their positions. Uh, they can cover the field. Uh, they can catch the ball. Uh, they can cover one-on-one, and they could hit. And so I'm playing in the secondary with Wes Hopkins. So I'm feeling that Buddy Ryan is feeling that he just inherited a secondary that also consists of all-pro corner Roynell Young, uh, Herman Edwards, uh, Elbert Fowles. Uh, I'm thinking that, you know, we've got a, Andre Waters. We've got a secondary of which I'm thinking Buddy's going to feel pretty good about it. And particularly with those people that are, that are starting. That was myself, Wes Hopkins, Herman Edwards, Roydell Young, and our nickelback was a gentleman by the name of Elbert Fowles, one of my best friends in life. Shout out to Elbert. Uh, and Elbert was about to make a move too. And, of course, we'll talk about some of that a little bit later. But that meeting with Buddy Ryan, let me just say this. I knew when I first met Buddy, I was not one of his favorite people at all. I think that's what he wanted to make sure that I knew. He wanted to make sure that he made an impression on me that I'd never forget. And being the kind of person I am, I'm quick on my feet, quick to respond. I think I made an impression on him, too, that he'll never forget. But I think it was one of those things where perhaps maybe um, just as I caught him off guard, I mean, just as he caught me off guard, I caught him off guard. Because I didn't expect his remark, and I'm sure as hell didn't think he anticipated my remarks. So it was, it was one of those things that was a lifetime memory. And as I said, if, if, I, if he was here today or he's listening right now, he would expect me to be telling you this story and, and expect that I would, you know, say the things that I'm saying. So what did he say? I know you wanted to hear that. <laughs> The first time that I met Buddy Ryan, looked me in my eyes, shook my hand. I said, uh, how you doing, coach? And Buddy says to me, not, hey, how you doing, Ray? Hey, Ray, well, Buddy Ryan looks me squirted in my eyes and says to me, Todd Bell wants your job. Whoa, really? Is that what you... <laughs> Coach, we just met. You just got here. I've been here for a few years. Uh, can we at least say hello to one another respectfully? Ty Bell wants my job. Ty just set out all last year, Coach. It lets me know something about him. If you really cared about Todd, hell, you couldn't go in there and fight for Todd. And now you're telling me that Todd wants my job. Don't you know that Todd Bell is a man you know, one of my best friends in life that he and I did, we went from boys to men together. And, and you're trying to do that to me? My response to Buddy when he said to me, Ty Bell wants your job, I looked him in his eye, didn't hesitate. And I said to him, why does he want my job? There's 31 other jobs out there. <laughs> why does he want my job? But I knew then that the end for me in Philadelphia was near. Buddy wanted to make sure that I knew from the very beginning that that job was Ty Bell's job, or so Buddy says it was Ty Bell's job. But I tell you what I'm gonna do, I'm, I'm gonna continue to tell you a little bit more about that story. Uh, it's an amazing story, there's more to the story. Of course there's Todd Bell, there's Dave Dorson, and there's Andre Waters. All my boys up in heaven with Buddy now. They probably having a party. They all I know they're talking about me because I'm talking about them because we're all connected. And God bless them. We're going to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back.
favorite flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Form or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, just like we did at the start of the show, again, I said a member of the fraternity had passed on and gone on to heaven. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't want to or if I didn't also take the time out to acknowledge that uh, there was another uh, special person in the world of sports that was lost, and that is uh, Pat Summit. And Pat, of course, was the longtime um, great coach at Tennessee for the women's basketball team. So I want to pay my respects uh, to Pat as well. Uh, before we get into the second half. So I'm going to take a moment of silence here. All right. God bless you also, Pat, although uh, for different reasons than Buddy, <laughs> but uh, you deserve the blessing. You had it here on earth, and I'm sure you will continue to uh, experience it and enjoy it in heaven. Uh, let me go back to Buddy. As I left, I said, of course, there were some interesting components to my relationship with Buddy. They consisted of Todd Bell, Dave Dorson, and Andre Waters. All three of those men now, they're probably in their own different ways welcoming Buddy uh, into heaven. I, I know Andre, Dave, and uh, Todd are there, and, and Buddy's on his way. Uh, there was another side of Buddy, I'm sure. Let me just say this. I am so happy about the fact that the relationship between Buddy and I resulted in the fact that I ended up, go, I was blessed. I got a chance to go home and play ball. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a toenail on the body of LeBron James. But I know what LeBron felt like, what he was trying to achieve, what he wanted to achieve, what he did achieve. I don't know what that feeling is like, but I know what that feeling is like to return home and to play for your hometown team. Of course, I was just born and raised in the Hall of Fame city one hour down the road in Canton, Ohio. I got a chance celebrating my 10th year of graduating from high school to play in the AFC championship known as the drive to this day. Ten years after leaving high school, I'm on a field with the chance for the first time in history for the Cleveland Browns to play in a Super Bowl, and all because Buddy didn't think I was good enough to play for him. So I, am, I, I have no ill feelings about Buddy at all. At the time, I may have. But I got to give a shout-out to two people out there. My wife... And, of course, Albert Files, uh, my wife told me from the very beginning, she just had to, you know, women have this intuition. She felt as if Buddy was out to get me. Uh, Albert Files also told me, it's really interesting because the way I was released from the Philadelphia Eagles was, you know, different. And because it was different, Albert Files told me, Ray, I wouldn't trust him if I were you. I just, I just wouldn't trust him. And, 
you know, it was good advice. I shouldn't have trusted him. I, I, I should not have felt comfortable uh, because Buddy waited till there's a there's a, a certain way of which people are released in the National Football League, and they do it in such a way that you know if if you are released at a certain period in time, then then you're you're compensated, and if you're not released, then you're not compensated. Uh, I mean, if you're released before a certain time, you're not compensated. If you pass the threshold, you're compensated. And you're compensated per week. So let's say if there's a game that's coming up and, 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 and that game is on Sunday or Saturday, uh, but most of the time it's on Sunday or it's a Monday night game, you have until Wednesday at noon. Anytime after Wednesday at noon, you're going to get paid for that Sunday or that Monday game. And Buddy Ryan held on to me all the way through training camp, all the way past, you know, the last cut. Everybody's, you know, going to get rid of him. You know, everybody sent everybody away. We're getting ready for the first game of the season. On that Wednesday, I go to practice that Wednesday morning. And Buddy, of course, waits till after 12 o'clock to call me into the office and tell me that I'm going to be relieved of my duties. I, I, and it really just, it really puzzled me because I'm thinking, okay, wait, we're having a discussion here about me leaving. And of course, you know, he explained a few things to me. Not a lot, but a few things. Shout out to Harry Gamble because Harry Gamble, who was the General Manager, Harry has a, a president of, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Harry has a story that needs to be told. You know, if there's a thing in the sport in terms of the totem pole from rags to riches, and I lived a little bit of that. I was the next to the last draft pick and became, you know, one of the you know top guys in the league. I worked my ass off. Harry Gamble, and, and no disrespect at all, Coach Harry, this is, this is, again, this is the best way I can put it to try to get people to understand. Because if we were talking, sitting around talking, this is what we would say, Coach Harry. We wouldn't say, we wouldn't try to clean it up. We would say this, and it's been said. People have said that Harry Gamble went from a gopher to the president of the Philadelphia Eagles in just a change of ownership. Nowhere in history that we ever heard of or seen could even imagine somebody who, again, the players call, you know, you just a gopher. Go for this, go for that. Go pick this guy up at the airport. Go do this. And president. Now, I'm just, again, I mean, no disrespect. I'm just trying to tell you the way if the fellow's sitting around having a couple cocktails, this is what they're saying. They're trying to explain the promotion that Harry Gamble got. And that was because another man came in and bought the team. The same man that came in and bought the team, he's the same man who made Buddy Ryan the head coach. He trusted in Harry Gamble. And by the way, one of the nicest men you ever meet in your life, Coach Gamble, Coach Harry, you know, he was just, he, he, was, he was full of life every day. He never treated you different any day. If you were on that team, he knew you. I don't care where he saw you at, he had to, he, he, you know, he's one of those people that you never miss him in the room because you hear him in the room. He was just a big personality and just the nicest man, never wanted anything from anybody. Just a hardworking man. He enjoyed being that gopher he was, you know. We, we had another one on the team for Dick Vermeil, Bow Wow. Again, again, don't you guys out there on the outside, you may be taking it different than the way we take it. But I'm just sharing it with you, letting you into the locker room, letting you understand, hear something, get a little intimate, you know, perspective. And so Coach Harry, sometimes I even felt that the position Coach Harry had made him uncomfortable because we knew what he was and then we knew what he became. But that brought him into the equation when it came to me because now he is the GM, the president, and he is involved in the decision I had to go. 
I remember one time we we call and I you know well, I bumped into in the locker room one time and I'm saying to Coach Harry, well, you know, just ain't going on with me and Buddy here. What in the hell? Uh, Coach Harry just okay, just let me know because I got family, I got a wife, you know, she works here, you know. I, what am I am I am I getting traded? I'm you know what, what's about to happen? Well, there's nothing intimate right now, Ray. So you know, I'm like okay, <laughs> you didn't say no. Okay, so when my wife and I told her that, of course she knew the writing was on the wall. Out of here, gone. So why Wednesday? Well, here's why Wednesday. It turns out that by Wednesday, everybody else has got their rosters in place too. So if you want to make it hard for somebody, if you really want to stick it to them, you, you stick it to that person in such a way that guess what? We kept him long enough that... Certainly not within our division is he going to go and play against us. And, and then everybody else has their roster. They're getting ready to play the game now. So they cut me on a Wednesday, which means they had to pay me a check. That check was more than five figures. Five figures to cut somebody. And you're already having a conversation with me about, you know, and so I, I'll let you guys into a little bit more of this conversation. Um... I'll let you into it. I'll give you a little bit more, some real inside stuff, okay? Buddy tells me the reason why I have to go is because of my contract. Now, those of you out there that are Philadelphia Eagle fans, you know the history of Ray Ellis and his contract. Norman Brayman, you know, the, the money that Ray Ellis got, nobody else, we're going to bring it back, you know, to where it used to be. It's like, really? Shout out to my man. Wilbur Montgomery, Harold Carmichael, I just talked to them both the other day, having some conversations about me and my contract and all that stuff. And, you know, about, and really the reality of it is what I told all the fellows, the reporters back in those days, listen, I don't want to talk about anybody's money on this team, my teammates, because they all underpaid anyway. So now Buddy Ryan's going to bring me into an office and Buddy and I going to have a conversation. And Buddy tells me, well, Ray, you know, we can't keep you as a backup with your salary. You know, you, you, you make enough money to pay the entire secondary with, ex with the exception of Wes Hopkins. And I looked him in his eye, and I said to him, well, Coach, I thought you were the coach and I was a player. You know, what the hell has my salary got to do with it? Why, why are you talking to me about my salary? Why aren't you talking to me about my playing ability and – not discussing my salary. That's for the folks upstairs. And he just said, well, 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 you know, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and so that is what my experience with Buddy was all about. You know, it, it ultimately was, okay, well, if there's a way we can get rid of this salary and get rid of Ray. And, you know, it's like a lot of things. Listen, people price compare all the time. We do a lot of things as human beings. We price compare. If we can get somewhat of the same quality as close as we can and it's going to cost us less, well, okay, we're going to save the money. But if you're trying to save the money, then why keep me on this team until whenever, to that Wednesday? And why not let me go and save that five figures at least if it was so important to you? Uh, we're going to make sure you, you know, we, we don't have no trouble with you, not around us, I'm assuming. So anyway, uh, that's a little bit. There's more about Buddy. There's a, there's a lot more to this whole story. But the last time that I talked to Buddy, it was about money. And it was about that I made too much of it. And so I had to go. And so him letting me go gave me a chance to go to Cleveland. But him letting me go also gave a chance for one of my best friends, God up there in heaven. We don't need no trouble, Andre Waters, Dirty Waters, <laughs> to get a chance to play. And uh, Todd even found his way into the city of Philadelphia. And, of course, Dave Dorson found his way as a starting strong safety for the Chicago Bears and a Super Bowl champion. We're going to talk about all that in the last segment of the show. But right now, we'll take a break. You're listening to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters? What matters to me is Buddy Ryan has uh, gone on to a better place up there in heaven. Uh, I'm sure he got a ticket to uh, whatever game's going to be played and shown up there. Buddy's going to be a part of it. Might even be coaching. And I'm sure when he's up there, uh, another lady who is uh, arriving shortly, I don't know if it was before or after, but I'm sure they're both there, is Pat Summit, great coach uh, at uh, Tennessee basketball coach for so many years. Um, but, you know, this is not a Buddy Bash this is just my tribute to Buddy. I, I'm never going to bash a man for doing it his way. I, I'm never going to bash a man for not believing in me. That, that's, that's not my problem. That's your problem. And, and I hope to prove that that's your problem by getting a chance either against you or for you just to have to sit back and relish in my success. So I'm, I'm not upset with Buddy. By, at least by Buddy letting me go, it gave me a chance to fulfill a dream, you know, to play in front of my hometown, home team, I mean, home state. You know, hey, that, that 10 years after graduating from high school, I would never. So as I said, as I stood in the Cleveland Browns locker room at, at Cincinnati Stadium, Paul Brown Stadium in 1986, and we just clinched. The AFC Central Division Championship. Um, I said, you know, God bless Buddy Ryan. I meant that. I still mean it to this day. Because if I stayed there in Philadelphia, and first of all, let me tell you, I would have never left Philadelphia had Buddy Ryan not run me out of town. So it's my first love, as they say, you know, because they're the ones who wrote my first check. They drafted me. Dig for Mill, I will never, ever, ever forget that man in my life. You know, it, it's not who I am, but it's a part of what I am. It's, you know, in between that dash from 1959 to whatever, and that dash, Dick Vermeer was there. That man chose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Buddy Ryan chose to let me go. And, you know, sometimes his freedom is good. So I appreciate having my freedom to choose where I wanted to go. And I chose Cleveland. Shout out to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I chose Cleveland. But, but let me talk about what I left and, and why this whole thing is so special. Because one day it's going to be a documentary. And I'm going to tell more of this whole relationship between these five men. Buddy Ryan, Todd Bell, Dave Dorson, Andre Waters, and myself. It is, it's, it's, it's really a real interesting dynamic how our lives were just so woven together. Never, never really knew it. You know, there was, there was friendship amongst all of us, but we all end up somehow competing against one another. And, and, I, and I think if you look at the job of what we did, 
and and the production we brought to the position, oh, and and it has it's just I'm, I I just remember the way they played the position. I know the way I played the position, but I remember some of the special things that they did playing the position. Andre Waters earned the name of Dirty Waters. Andre was about as big as that, if you could imagine. Andre was no big boy. Todd Bell was a, a big boy. Dave Dorson was a big boy. Ray Ellis was a big boy. Andre Waters was a small man with a big heart and had no fear other than Jesus. That's it. That's all Andre feared. Jesus. Andre had the kind of courage that Crash used to talk about. Is He might have been scared, but he did it anyway. And you never knew if he was scared. That's dangerous. That's, that, that's dangerous. And Andre laid some wood on some people. Todd Bell laid some wood on some people. Dave Dorson laid some wood on some people. Ray Ellis, well, I'll let you guys finish that statement. But this Buddy Ryan, this man helped to make us all the kind of football players that we were. The kind of football players that you can bring in a discussion today when you want to talk about real football players. The kind of guys that you want on your team. This is, you know, he didn't, what he did for me is by letting me go. And although in Philadelphia, and again, I just want to say this because I have so much, I, I have so much passion about the city of brotherly love and particularly about my relationship with Wes Hopkins. Oh, my God. This is what bothers me more than anything else is that myself and Wes Hopkins, I believe that we were on our way to become probably one of the best tandems. And we're we, we in that discussion of the best tandems and safeties of all time. If they leave us be and they let us play. It was already do not enter signs throughout the secondary. Certainly not into the area of where Ray and West was. You, no, do not enter that. It was, was, it was a situation like I remember when Todd and I were in college. We play and you know, line up, and it's like we just knew if a wide receiver lined up over there, they're looking back at the quarterback and pointing the other way. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, throw it over there. And then, of course, coming into the National Football Day, hey, there's, no, there's no doubt. You know, Wes and I enjoyed that, you know, lining up and, and receivers pointing. That, you know, throw the ball over that way. Don't throw that ball over here. You know, but, but this is just the kind of thing of which I am so happy to be a part of that group. Those, those four outstanding football players, just so happy to be a part of that group. And so when I got a chance to leave Philadelphia, when Buddy gave me my papers and told me it was time for me to go, told me I made too much money, uh, that I had to go someplace else, I left, of course, and um, I can't share this now because it's for another time. But you guys know, those out there who, who know the Philadelphia, you know Buddy benched me in the summertime. And... And he benched me, and well, this out just let me just throw it out there. He, he benched me, and 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 they came to me and they asked me, was I scared? I'm like, scared. I mean, j you know, the reporters wanted to have a conversation with me afterwards. And, you know, they just got in the news that Buddy was, you know, was gonna bench me, and you know, and Evan Cooper was gonna be the starting strong safety, and 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 he, they said to me, well, you know, Ray, are you are you are you, are you scared? I'm like, scared, scared of what? For, for what? He put his pants on just like I do, one leg at a time. I hope one leg at a time. <laughs> so I'm scared now. But I went on to say, and of course I just read this someplace. I want you guys to know this. That was a long time ago. Um, he got my attention. But I ain't, I ain't scared. But he got my attention. Um, but the reality of it, there's more to that story. There's more to that story. There's a lot more to that story. I just don't have the time to tell you all. You know, I, you know, I didn't appreciate Buddy's coaching style. There was a lack of respect that Buddy showed to his players. Buddy didn't call you by your name. There was one man on that team that Buddy, that Buddy called by his name, and that name was Reggie, Reggie White. Everybody else, he called by their numbers. Shout out to my man, Seth Joyner. Seth even talked about it this morning that, you know, he didn't call him by his number. It was three years he called him by his number. Three years he called him, and three years he called him by his name. 
I have a problem with that. And I'm just that kind of person. I, I just, no, that's not going to work with me. So, buddy, I understand the tearing down to build you up, but you got to know the population of people that you're dealing with. And you're old enough, buddy Ryan, and these men are old enough. I even watched Mike Singletary this morning. I thought Mike was very careful in saying what he said. Mike loves Buddy. To this day, Mike, uh, Mike will run through a wall for Buddy Ryan. I know that. But Mike will also tell you it didn't start off like that. It was hard for Mike to understand. You know, there wasn't no Karate Kid situation where he washing and waxing no car. You know, Buddy shaping and molding him. But Mike has no idea that Buddy's shaping and molding him. And, and, and what Mike is feeling, Mike ain't feeling. And so <laughs> uh, that's just kind of, you know, paraphrasing how Mike was saying. But I, I, I know. And so also, there's some other stories out there, too. This is an interesting man. But I will tell you this. Um, probably there's some men out there, as I said, like Mike will run through a wall for Buddy Ryan I'm just one of those guys. My experience wasn't the same, so I might run out the back door. I might not run through the wall. But uh, I certainly enjoyed the experience that I had with Buddy. I thank him because he made me the man I became. Buddy made me realize football is about business. And I realized that. I continue to take it that way. It was a part of who I was. It was not who I was. And I also want you all to know this. That's the same way with everybody to this day. It's what they do. It's not who they are. It's a game. Love it while you can. But you got to understand there's more to life. God bless you, buddy. Thank you so much. See you up there in heaven when I get there. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.